Welcome to the Littler Labor and Employment Podcast, conversations about employment and labor law issues that impact the workplace. Good day, everybody. This is George Lopez. I chair Littler's Global Mobility and Immigration Practice Group. With me is senior attorney Hector Galliano, who is also within the practice group. And we're going to be discussing the latest round of Social Security Administration mismatched letters. Hector, we've been seeing a little bit of this lately. What do you think uh, we should be doing here? Well, George, I guess perhaps before we go into what the employer may be uh, required to do, is this a new activity that the Social Security Administration is doing, or have we seen this in the past? We have seen this in the past, and that's a very good question. Uh, The last time we saw really these coming out in any substantial numbers was during the uh, second term of the Bush administration specifically as a result of the amount of correspondence that was coming out from the SSA to employers throughout the United States and the concern that it created a little bit of constructive knowledge, and we'll go into that later uh, as a result of the receipt of this information, that the administration back then came up with proposed ICE regulations as to how to deal with these mismatched notices. That regulation ended up in litigation. As a result, today, the end date of what we're dealing with is a little bit of the phoenix rising of that overall impetus. The Obama administration coming in early on basically took off from the position that the prior Bush administration had had and decided not to litigate the input of those regulations, and therefore uh, there is no official regulatory guidance as to what these mismatch notices mean to date. And George, is this something that we're seeing on an isolated basis, or we're seeing it across different industries? Um, you know, I, I know personally that I've been getting a lot more employers getting these mismatched letters. Is this something that we're seeing across the board? Right. I mean, they they have been in hiatus for what maybe about nine years now, give or take a few months, and and in reality, nothing has been coming out as a result of that. But uh, in the last month or so, there was an announcement that this uh, database of information was going to be pushed out to employers to basically address the issue of mismatches within their system, meaning the SSA system. And that's what exactly we have been seeing. Now, can we say that this is somebody being specifically targeted because you've received a notice? And I can probably say that the answer to that is is no at this point. It is just literally, in my opinion, uh, what's coming out as a result of this is a a, a cleanup of trying to get that information out to employers and have them address the issue. So now that you mention employers, if I am an employer and I'm receiving these Social Security mismatch letters, what do I need to do? Well, that's a good question, and I know you've been getting these questions as well, and we've been, you know, very much concerned about how to address it. I think we need to take one step back and realize one thing, that the receipt of these notices does not mean that this is overall an issue related to an immigration concern. In fact, we should not be treating it as such. We should be treating it as a withholding issue, a payroll issue, so that we can make sure that there's proper allocation of um, 
payroll records and information to the SSA in reference to the individuals uh, that are mentioned in their mismatch notices. So, you know, the first step is we do not treat this as an immigration issue. We treat this as a payroll issue and address the concern of wanting to make sure that there's accurate information. I mean, what have you been seeing when you've been talking to clients, Hector, in reference to that mismatch information? Are you seeing a certain trend that's a little bit different this time from last time, uh, now that we've talked a little bit about the historical? I've just been seeing more and more employers that are anxious about this. Um, there are employers who automatically assume that if they got these Social Security mismatch letters that, you know, all the workers that are listed in these mismatch letters are going to be workers who are not uh, employment authorized. And, and I guess we should discuss that for employers. What does it mean? I mean, what, what are the potential reasons why the employer would get this mismatch? Right, and I think that that's a discussion we've had with, with many of these clients uh, that we've been discussing it with. The first thing is there could be very legitimate reasons why somebody could be receiving or be on the mismatch list. One reason could be a name change, and the name change could be an official name change as a result of marriage or divorce. It could be an official name change as a result of a judicial order. It could be a name change that is done as a result of a naturalization process, and the Social Security Administration database was never updated. So there could be very legitimate reasons. Sometimes individuals with certain Hispanic surnames may have a hyphenated surname. They may use one or the other in the database that the Social Security Administration may only articulate one. So there could be some very valid reasons why somebody could have the number incorrectly and put it into the system. And another system could be an input error at the employer side. It could be something that, you know, we as, as employers counsel talk to and for one of the first things we always discuss is, hey, you know, is there a transposition error? I mean, you've been finding some of that, haven't you, Hector, when you've talked to some clients? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's very interesting you mentioned the surname issue because I, I have seen that come up not only in this context, but in an e-verified context where, you know, it's very common that legal documents in, in Latin America have two last names. And when the individual in question goes to Social Security Administration, they may only have one last name or they use both last names and they only use one last name when they create the I-9 or when they, when they create the W-4. And, and so that is something that I, I, I strongly recommend to employers that the first thing you do is make sure you check the records, the W-4, and there are instructions that are provided by the Social Security Administration as to how you treat this, and so you, you want to follow those instructions. And George, just to follow up on that, how long do they have to follow up on these Social Security mismatch letters? Yeah, that, that's actually a good question because that's one of the nuanced differences. It was a little bit open-ended in the past when that historically, those uh, prior notices have been sent out. And in the regulations that ICE have promulgated and were withdrawn by the Obama administration, they had a 90-day window to basically take corrective action. And there has been some case law that has supported that 90-day scenario in reference to giving that opportunity to the employee to overcome. The mismatch notices that we're giving now has a 60-day window, but it's a 60-day window for response to the Social Security Administration to advise them of the progress or resolution of the specific matter involved. And so overall, we do have 
two different dates we need to look at. One is a 60-day window articulated in the mismatch notice that is being sent out by the Social Security Administration. That's without a doubt an articulable time frame that we need to send this information out to, one. Two, then we need to think about, well, should we be following up with the employee if there is not a, a, a defined resolution? And the answer to that is yes. And you shouldn't do any sort of if, if we're going to look at this from an adverse action perspective, which we should not automatically in certain jurisdictions, California comes to mind as one where there may be more limitations on taking some sort of adverse action against an employee simply by the receipt of mismatched letter. Then we kind of make a determination whether anything will happen, but I would not do anything before the 90-day window at least has progressed, and we've given the employee plenty of opportunities to overcome. And with those scenarios, and my, my concern is mostly when there is zero response. I think when there is an articulated response that shows that there is something moving forward and some sort of resolution going in the right direction, that would be something important to us. It would be important to us because we do not want to take any adverse employment action automatically, just simply because somebody is telling us it's being resolved because if there is a legitimate reason that needs to be resolved, these do not get resolved overnight. This seems to be a Social Security Administration issue, but when does that overlap into being an actual immigration employment compliance issue? Well, this is this is me being a little bit of a skeptic as to why these things are going out, but I, I do believe that it does have some viability to give another arrow in the uh, ice quiver to look at employers that are not basically addressing the issue of the mismatch notices. The mismatch notices of themselves does not create an immigration issue, but if the mismatch notices received and they are not addressed, it could potentially be seen as some sort of constructive knowledge or failure to respond could be seen as some sort of acquiescence of an employer's continuing to hire an undocumented worker if that case happens to be the situation. Keep in mind that ICE for the last 10 years has been incorporating, if not longer, has been incorporating the request from employers to see whether or not they've received a mismatch notice in the mail and what have they done with that. That still is incorporated into the ICE I-9 inspection process, and that's not going to be taken out. And I think I do believe strongly that if we do not address the issue along the lines of what we were discussing now and at least try to do our due diligence and try to find remediation to find out why the Social Security may be mismatching with our employees, that we could have potential exposure to clients um, overall and for companies and employers out there to be able to successfully address this issue if later it comes to fruition. Hector, you've been involved with many ICE investigations as I have as well. Were your thoughts on, on ICE potentially using this as a vehicle to kind of create more employer liability? Right. I think the biggest thing that we can take from that, we've seen under previous administrations where there is interagency cooperation, and we're not saying that that's what's going on here, but that is not something that's completely out of the question. I think the fact that historically when you get DHS knocking on your door for a 99 audit, they've always requested these Social Security mismatch letters. And the fact that we've seen a significant increase in DHS I-9 audits is something that should be considered by employers in treating these mismatch letters very seriously because there, there, there is the potential that there may be some sort of 
perhaps interagency communication on these type of issues. And so my advice to employers has been you need to treat this very seriously because of the potential ramifications if you don't. And how do we treat it? I mean, is there a sort of action plan that we should be looking at in reference to addressing these? I know I've discussed it with clients. What have you been talking to clients about? Right. Well, I think it's the most practical thing to discuss here is, one, you address the Social Security mismatch letter, you follow the instructions, you log into that portal, you communicate with Social Security Administration within 60 days, but you also have to check your records and speak to the employee involved because you, you do want to make sure that there is some affirmative action on the part of them, both the employer and we, the employee. But, uh, pardon my, my interruption, but Hector, do you mm -hmm. think we should be automatically reaching out to the employee? before we check our records? So do you think we should first check our records, make sure there's no internal error? Then if there's an internal error, address the internal error before we go to the employee or do we go automatically to the employee? Right. So I, my advice has been that the employer check their internal records first because that, that, that you know, if you look at the I-9 and the W-4, when you put in the, the payroll information, you put in a three instead of a two at the end of the Social Security number, that is a quick fix, right? That's something that you should be able to correct immediately. If you look at your internal records and everything matches, that is when you go to the employee and, um, you know, the communication to the employee should always be that we've gotten a mismatch letter and we need to verify records. It, there is no question here, George, and correct me if, if, if you disagree, but there's no question here that we don't go to the employee and say, we believe that you may be unauthorized or we believe that you may have used a, 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 you know, Social Security that doesn't correspond to you. That, that is correct, but keep in mind also that I, I also look at the mismatch notices that went out about eight, nine, ten years ago, and I look at the ones that are going out now. The ones that went out before were multi-pages and spent a lot of time talking about why an employer should not be taking adverse actions against employees in reference to the receipt of that Social Security Administration information. Uh, I think that type of language is it's not as prevalent in this notification, and my concern is here is somebody reads that incorrectly and starts treating along the lines that we're discussing here, which is really an immigration issue when it should not be. Again, we should be treating as a payroll-related issue rather than an immigration-related issue. It only becomes an immigration issue if basically the employee does definitely come forward and say, I am not properly documented and this number does not belong to me, and that's why I'm on the list. There's no other option there, but unfortunately, to actually uh, separate the employee from employment. Yeah, that was going to be my uh, one of my questions, George. Is there ever a situation where the employer is required to take, um, uh, you know, immediate affirmative action against the employee? Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. And you're, you're, you're right. That would be the time that we would do it. Otherwise, I mean, if the employee comes forward and says, okay, I'll look into it and is trying to address the issue, we should have a methodical system of basically informing the employee because we have to, uh, under these notices, inform the employee if there is no internal error and, and, and provide them with reminders and document those reminders. I, we suggest a 30-day a reminder after the initial communication to the employee and then a follow-up before the 60 days so that we can basically respond to SSA. We also advise them to continue follow-up if it has still not been 
resolved or yet unreconciled to address the issue regarding the Social Security Administration uh, database information to the basically follow up again in another 90 days. Now, whether or not we do anything beyond that, it depends on how the facts, it's a very fact-driven process, and we're, we, you know, we, we want to make sure that if there was proactive steps and there are still proactive steps that the employee is showing that they're moving in the direction of addressing the issue, then, you know, maybe an adverse employment action would be too premature even on a 90-day cycle. But if we have gotten zero response and zero communications from the employee and has not addressed the issue at all during the entire, uh, let's say, 90-day time period, then maybe termination may be enforced, keeping in mind some jurisdictions, California always comes to mind, may have some limitations, so we always advise rather than, you know, taking action based upon this communication that we're discussing, make sure you talk through the specific facts because that determination is going to be very fact-driven analysis and review mechanism. But even if the employee is not terminated and the employee is retained, then, you know, in dealing with our employment tax group, we've been advised that IRS takes a position when you have an unreconciled Social Security number that we must withhold at the highest retention rate in reference to that particular payroll. So therefore, if the employee has passed a certain time period, has failed to address the issue or still has not been reconciled, then we at least minimally should be looking at the potential of addressing this as a, an unreconciled Social Security number and retaining at a higher retention rate in reference to payroll records is concerned. Have you been uh, finding that some employers are, are looking at that as an option, Hector? I, I have. They have. I mean, particularly if it's an employee who's provided some sort of explanation as to the Social Security. And one of the questions I had for you, Georgia, and, and that I've actually been asked is, well, can't an employee just go to the Social Security Administration and get a letter from them saying, this is my name, this is my Social Security number? Right. I mean, in the past, they used to be able to obtain that information. That is uh, not really prevalent today. And in fact, IER, the Immigrant Employee Rights, through uh, old guidance, uh, through its predecessor named the Office of Special Counsel, which is a DOJ civil rights division group that deals with immigration and related employment discrimination, has come out on record saying that we should not be requesting that specific action item from an employee because they could see that because of the failure of Social Security to probably provide that information to put them in an adverse uh, employment scenario that uh, would not be seen favorably by that particular enforcement arm. Okay. George, I guess maybe we can recap when I'm the employer and I get the Social Security um, mismatch letter, what are my action items? No, I think the first thing is we don't treat this as a notification that somebody's undocumented. Period. Uh, we treat this as a payroll issue. Period. That's where we start. What and then I can wait until the 59th day to respond to Social Security? Yeah, and I think we would notify the employee to check our internal records to recap check our internal records, notify the employee if the internal records are, are, are correct as stated by the Social Security Administration, give the employee a 30-day follow-up in reference to what action items to entail, uh, follow-up by providing a notification to SSA within a 60-day period of your developments in reference to addressing the issue as, uh, as stated by the employee. Look at revisit this then again in, in another 90-day window uh, by, and again, informing 
train the employee that a 30, 60, and then of course in a 90-day window. And then very fact-driven analysis, determining what action items we're going to do beyond that 90 days in reference to the continued employment of that employee. And just to make sure, I, I said the 59th day, but if an employer waits till the 59th day to, to address this, George, is that going to be a problem? Now, you want to do it sooner rather than later. I really like a, a call up uh, 10 days before, five days before, give the employee as much notice as possible, but get that information out to the Social Security Administration because I would not be surprised if there may not be some sort of interaction between SSA and ICE in the future in reference to documenting the responses or if any an employer has provided. So you want to really articulate a response and an action item that has been completed by you in reference to that notification. I think that's something that would be seen very favorably, in, in, in my opinion, in this process. The only thing I would want to add, and then just to reiterate what we've been saying, is you, you can't assume that just because a Social Security mismatch letter came that you have an employee who is unauthorized. The two may go hand in hand because there is a potential duty to investigate, but the first thing you do is you treat this as a withholding issue and you check your records and, and, and not immediately go to the employee and say, hey, you gave us something wrong. Yes, and I think we need to also reiterate that the receipt of this information does not automatically mean that somebody is undocumented. There is a number of due diligence steps that we must go into play that we've already discussed in this conversation that we should be aware of. So keep that in mind in reference to this receipt and then address the issues as the facts start to develop. Hector, thanks for your for your time today, uh, and I, I think it's it's been good for us to get this recap out to employers to have a general idea as these notices are coming out more and more these days. Thank you, everyone. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.